The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You know what was nice about Monday night, everybody? The games ended crazy early. Indiana-San Antonio was the last game of the night. That one tipped at 5.30 Pacific time. And games were over by 8 o'clock. Sometimes I hide from you guys that I'm recording the show late the night before. Sometimes I tell you that I'm doing it tonight. And I say tonight because I am not hiding it. I am recording this podcast on Monday night, and it ain't even that late. 8.30. Games are over. I know everything I need to know about these ball games. They're done. This is that day where people that like to bet underdogs finally get to rub it in the face of the squares. <laughs> Monday was that day. Houston was a 10-point road favorite. Knicks beat them outright. Magic were a 6.5-point home favorite. Blazers blew them out. Utah covered. Milwaukee was a five-point road favorite. They got blown out by Miami. Memphis was actually a two-point dog in Atlanta. They blew them out. Dallas, seven-point road favorite. Lost by two. Indiana and San Antonio was, I think it was Indy by two closing lines. Basically a pick em. And uh, Pacers did win that one. But a lot of underdogs, not only covered, but won outright. In fact, I think now looking back quickly here through what I just said, every underdog that covered... One, Knicks, Blazers, Heat, Grizzlies, Bulls. Five out of seven. So sure, the underdogs went five and two against the spread, but they also went five and two money line. You could have made a bunch of money betting money lines. And then that type of stuff just doesn't happen all that often. In any event, this is a fantasy show. We have a betting podcast. It's at Hoopball Gaming. You can check that one out. The show is called Today in Sports Betting. Ira and Josh clobbered on Monday night. So just go follow those guys. We've we've sort of turned the reins over at this point. In fact, I think Ira's plays on Monday were the Knicks, the Knicks-Rockets over, the Pacers, and then he had the Preds. That's a, uh, I believe that's hockey. But as the old joke goes, what the bleep do I know about hockey? Y'all should be following those guys. At Hoopball Gaming. Today in Sports Betting is the podcast. This is Fantasy NBA Today. This is a fantasy podcast. I am Dan Bespris, and we, by all accounts, are fairly well caught up by this point. No Josh Millman this week. We'll hopefully have him back next time around. We will have Brandon Marcus on the show tomorrow. Wednesday, of course, is Brandon Day. But again, we're at a point now where we're doing sort of our last digs here. And I said I'll start talking a little streaming stuff towards the end of this week. Not yet. There are not that many leagues that have the playoffs going right now. I know there's a handful of you guys, but I got to try to tailor this show. There's just only so many things you can cover in a podcast. And so because most folks are still in their run-up to the fantasy postseason, that's where we're going to focus our attention. But don't worry. By Friday, we'll be talking streaming. Next week, we'll get into it a little bit more heavily, and then very heavily the week after that. That's when everybody's going to be in the playoffs together. No question. But from a fantasy standpoint, on Monday night, 
Oh, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Vespers. This is a HoopBall presentation. Hoop-Ball.com is the website at HoopBall Fantasy, at HoopBall Tweets. I mentioned on yesterday's pod, we had a brand new show come out yesterday. It's called NBA Today with Corbin Ford. It's just NBA. It's really cool, actually. We have team-specific podcasts at HoopBall. This is league-specific. It's just the league. Stories from... The past, stories from now, hot hot stories from Twitter, lots of fun little segments. Corbin's doing a nice job so far, so that show exists, and I'll tell you more about it later on in this one. I want to get into the fantasy stuff now. Houston lost in New York. This was not great. James Harden had a tough shooting night, although he did go 16 for 16 at the foul line. Russell Westbrook had a relatively tough night. This seemed like a team that maybe had too much time in New York. I don't know that that's necessarily true. Was good to see Daniel House play well. There isn't a uh, super clear reason as to why he got going in this one and took 15 shots, but he did, and he bought himself some more time on some fantasy teams. He's been a difficult guy to roster, kind of right around the periphery of fantasy relevant. How good has Rob Covington been? The answer, by the way, is very good. And Eric Gordon was back for this game as well, so that was another... Good note for Daniel House, able to stay above the fray. I still don't know that he's a must-own guy. I think we're in that part of the year where a lot of guys like House are going to be floating around on the waiver wire. Guys that are between 90 and 125 on any given week. They might be 70 and then 140, and it'll all even out in somewhere in between. And you want to look for the guy that either has the best schedule, which certainly this favors House going into New York to play the Knicks, or a guy that maybe gives you the stats you need. You need three-pointers and steals, then you probably have a little bit of an argument for House. And we'll get to other guys that are in that same ballpark that provide other stuff. Such as fan favorite and Dan's least favorite player on the board, Alfred Payton, who has uh, come back to earth substantially after a hot streak. He got vastly outplayed by Frank Nilekina in this ballgame but he got his six assists and he got his two steals, and that's really what you should be getting or hoping for out of him because the other stuff just wasn't going to last. Maul Harkless was a guy that I was keeping my eye on. He did play 30 minutes but missed three free throws in kind of a weird twist and didn't have any threes, steals, or blocks. He's still close, though. I think closer than people realize, but not there yet. As I mentioned, close. I think that's how I said it on yesterday. I might think about picking him up. Those 30 minutes are useful, but not quite yet. And again, Nick's markedly better with him playing big minutes. Portland Trailblazers went into Orlando and caught fire. They shot 56% in this ballgame, held the Magic to 38.5%. Although, to choose my words more carefully, the Magic sometimes hold the Magic to 38.5%. Offensively, that team is challenged. Usually, they can play some defense, but nobody could stop anyone on the Blazers. McCollum had 41 on 24 shots. Gary Trent had 24. Whiteside double-doubled. Freaking Mario Izonia had 10 and 8. Trevor Ariza had two threes and a steal in a very Trevor Ariza line. Mello had 10 and 8. Continues to only be useful in points formats. And they got a much-needed win to kind of hang in there because Memphis won later, and we'll get to that game in a second. For Orlando... One of the players that 
has sort of been a deep league interest is James Ennis, who played 29 minutes, took 10 shots, many of them from downtown. He was hucking away early in this ballgame, and it was not a good look for him. Terrence Ross has been playing pretty well lately. Vooch had 30 and 11. Hurt his shoulder partway through this game, but came back quickly, so that was a good sign. I think you saw more James Ennis than usual because Aaron Gordon sat this out. I know Gary Clark technically saw the big jump in minutes, but it was Ennis that saw the jump in actual shot attempts. And Gordon will be back pretty soon. He was playing strikingly well. Gordon had hit a gear that he hadn't operated at maybe ever, and it was a facilitating element to his game. So hopefully he'll keep doing that when he makes his return from this right knee situation. Utah beat Cleveland on the road 126-113. There's a few things we need to talk about in this ballgame. First, the Utah side. Joe Ingles is completely out of his element. He is a drop and has been for a couple of weeks. Jordan Clarkson is going to alternate having games where he catches fire, which is good for his scoring but doesn't do much else. He is off my radar as well. Royce O'Neal as the starter. Fantasy game is limited. That's a no for me. Obviously, Gobert, Bogdanovich, Donovan Mitchell, those guys are in. Mike Conley is the one dude on this team, to me at least at this point, that's sitting kind of on the borderline. The steals haven't been there, and that's always an issue with Utah. Their whole team only had three steals. They're all about position defense. They never gamble, which is weird because they do have Rudy Gobert to protect the rim if someone gets lost on a play, and Rudy does fine with that. But they really don't gamble in that Utah offense. So steals are down. They always are uh, for point guards in Utah. We saw it happen to Ricky Rubio, too. So Conley steals being down. That has adversely affected his numbers, but 15.6 assists, a couple of three balls. That's actually pretty decent. This really was a defensive stat way from being a decent ball game. And so I'm going to put him on the good side of the ledger, for now at least. Cleveland has all sorts of storylines floating around. Let's start with the guys that didn't play in this ballgame. Namely, Andre Drummond, who was ruled out early on Monday with a left calf issue, which is also the excuse they gave to rule him out late last week, and then he promptly, in between games missed with a calf issue, exploded on Saturday for 27-13, 4, and 5 defensive stats. I don't think this dude is actually hurt. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, this feels like disguised rest. Hey, Drummond, you want to deal with Utah and Gobert? Nah, okay. Which is funny, too, because he played Indiana, and that was Demonis Sabonis. That's not an easy matchup. They got Boston on Wednesday. They've got Denver and San Antonio in a back-to-back over the weekend, sort of. Yeah, that is the weekend. Sorry, that's, that's Saturday, Sunday. I would guess that he plays Boston and either Denver or San Antonio, but you get the feeling he's going to play about half to two-thirds of his remaining games at this point. You could probably make the same argument with Tristan Thompson, who's dealing with a knee injury, although you could also make a viable argument on the opposite side that says that Tristan Thompson is actually hurt. He seems like he's been ready and willing to play basically in any situation with any role they've given him, and he'll probably keep doing that. So maybe he's actually hurt, but regardless, he and Drummond both out. And so all of our concerns about this Cavs team, what are they going to do with four centers after the All-Star break? Well, 
they've seemingly just been rotating either Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, or Tristan Thompson out on any given night. Here's my guess, and I don't know that this is going to be true or not, but here's my guess. I think you see Andre Drummond sit out one half of that back-to-back, and Kevin Love sits out the other half of that back-to-back. Tristan Thompson, I don't know what the hell's going on, and it seems like our buddy Larry Nance is the one guy that just keeps trucking along through all this stuff. His lines haven't been great lately, but the opportunity has been fine. He only really had one game where he didn't play significant minutes. He logged 39 against Utah on Monday and nearly triple-doubled. 16-8-8, two steals, two three-pointers, zero turnovers. Larry Nance has been stellar when he's given the minutes. He's a top 75 guy when he's getting minutes, or better. He was better than that last year. He just, man, he does it all. He passes out of the big man spot. I love that dude. Love that dude. And it looks like they're finding a way to get him into the lineup. Another thing we've noticed, when Andre Drummond sits, Colin Sexton looks more comfortable. He had 32 in this ballgame on 17 shots. He was efficient. He had three-pointers. He had some steals. He has, and, and I clobbered him as much as anybody, but over the last, I don't know, six weeks ago or so, I started to soften my stance on Colin, and he's been quite good over that stretch. He's number 79 by totals on the year. He's outside the top 100 by averages, but over the last month to two, he's been right around the edge of the top 100. And honestly, he's like a half a turnover away from being inside the top 100. All the other stuff is stuff you like. There's even been a steal over that stretch. I know. Almost unbelievable, right? Darius Garland sat this one out with a groin injury. That moved Kevin Porter into the starting lineup as kind of the de facto point guard. He had 16-4-4 with a steal and a block in 41 minutes. He's a must-start guy if Darius Garland misses any kind of substantial time. It seems like that's the dude, and Dante Exum is out with a badly sprained ankle, so he's not about to take that job. Uh... But Porter back on the bench, when Garland gets healthy, it does cloud things up a little bit. It, it gets a little bit murky. I'm on the cusp with him, too. He's going to get picked up in a lot of leagues. Again, this happens all the time. Guys get picked up earlier than they should. But this one has the the feeling of a guy that could get picked up earlier than he should and then just ride it into value the whole rest of the way. His minutes have been trending up. The steals and blocks have been probably unsustainably high of late. But I think he does belong on fantasy teams. You know, sometimes I I crack down on these young guys a little bit hard. I think Kevin Porter belongs on fantasy teams because he runs something of a facilitating role when he's on the floor. He's either the starting point guard like he was on Monday night, or when he comes off the bench, he runs the offense in the second unit. Either way, he's going to get assists. That's a big deal for a guy that would otherwise be kind of a wing stat set. We've talked on this podcast extensively about how hard it is to be a successful fantasy player with a traditional high-scoring, low-rebound, low-assist fantasy stat set. You have to be great on defense, or your percentages have to be really good, or all of the above to clear that hurdle. And for Porter... This is the same story as Kevin Herter when Trey Young was out or when DeAndre Hunter or Cam Reddish was out. 
when they have the opportunity to actually do some of the passing in the offense, that jump starts fantasy value real fast. You know, a wing that averages 17-3-2 is going to be way below a wing that averages 17-3-4. and four. It's a huge difference. Those two assists are colossal. And so for Porter, with this orchestration happening... And they, Cavs, to their credit, did a pretty good job of moving the basketball tonight because Larry Nance is a good passer. Colin Sexton's not that great. He's your scoring guard, but Porter is a decent passer. Kevin Love is not terrible there. They were able to move the ball a little bit, and everybody got a few assists. They had 36 of them in the game. Actually, excuse me, 28 of them. They only lost the assist battle to Utah by two. So that's pretty good. This is a, that's kind of a fun Cavs team to watch on Monday. Anyway, that's how I feel about most of those guys, fringe or otherwise. Milwaukee, little South Beach flu going on there. Giannis had 13 points on 18 shots. He was dozing through this ball game. Brooke Lopez was the only buck to actually have a decent performance, and that'll happen when your team scores 89 points. But you throw it in the garbage, move on to the next one. For Miami, Kelly Olynyk had a big first half and then just didn't really play after the halftime break. Jimmy Butler was good, 35 minutes. He was efficient, did what he needed to do, took on a lot of roles on defense. Same with Bam Adebayo. They did a good job on Giannis. But again, you know, when a guy's hung over, it's a little easier to stop him up. Jay Crowder at 18 points, five threes, no steals, which we thought was going to level out a little bit, but still five threes, so hard to really argue with that performance. Missed some free throws. You know what you're getting into with this dude. You have to be aware of it at this point. We've been down this discussion a thousand times. I don't feel the need to blow five minutes on another podcast on Jay Crowder. If you really want to know what I think about Jay Crowder, you can listen to basically any show on any day after he plays in Miami. We talk about him every time, ad nauseum. The horse is dead. I need not beat it. Memphis bouncing back a little bit these days. The Grizzles. The Memphis Grizzles starting to show a little gumption, a little fire, a little life in their belly. They've won two in a row now, four and six in their last ten. And back to three and a half games up on the Blazers, the Pels, the Kings, and four up on the Spurs for that last playoff spot in the Western Conference at a game under 500. They've needed it. And this is certainly a puffier opponent by all accounts. The Hawks. With no Capella, no Reddish, no Dwayne Denman, no DeAndre Bembry. But you're not going to get any sympathy from the Grizz who are missing their starting and backup power forwards. Two key cogs on that team are still out for, by all accounts, at least another week. But they got contributions from everybody. And in a blowout, that's nice to see. Jonas Valanciunas went 15 squared. Gorgie Jang off the bench, 17-10, a steal and a block on 6 out of 8 shooting. We figured it was coming for him. I didn't know if this was going to be the game or not. Turns out that this was a really good one. He's such a stream-happy player. I'm riding Gorgie until Clint Capella shows up. Or excuse me, not Clint Capella. Uh, I'm riding Gorgie until JJJ or Brandon Clark comes back. I'm looking at the wrong team right now. Clint Capella is the issue on the other side. I have no idea when JJJ and Brandon Clark are coming back. Could it be three games? Yeah. Could it be two? Maybe. I doubt it. Could it be seven? Yeah. Whatever you can get out of Jang you like, because when he gets minutes, 24 or more, he's a great fantasy player, 75 or better, usually. Josh Jackson had a really nice ball game here, actually. Nine cash counter stats, which 
feels wholly unsustainable, although he is a put-up-numbers kind of dude. He just does it on awful percentages. So the bottom falls out faster than almost anybody else on the planet for Josh Jackson. I, I can't, I cannot bring myself to trust this dude in fantasy. I'm sorry. I know people are going to pick him up, and maybe you're going to be one of them, but I ain't with you. You ain't bringing Dan with you on that adventure. Josh Jackson is a no-go for yours truly. De'Anthony Melton at 11-4-4 with two steals and a three-pointer, and that feels like the kind of line that he's just going to put up every night at this point, and that's fine. You know, that's around the edge of your bench. But I think I'm going to go stat hunting. So if I don't need steals, I'm going to go look somewhere else. I'm going to go see if I can find some upside or maybe a stat that I don't have less of. I have plenty of steals. I have them all over the place. I almost never have a team that isn't in the upper half or usually the upper quarter of my league in steals. You guys know how much I love defensive stats. I often trade or pick up for blocks, and that's maybe something I should adjust for next year, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Hawks were not very good in this game. They scored 88 points. Kevin Herter was good enough to not be terrible. Trey Young was awful. John Collins was not good. I don't know what happened in this one. Maybe it was DeAndre, maybe it was DeAnthony Melton slowed down Trey Young, or maybe it was just the game, but Cam Reddish was out with lower back pain. I think they expect him back in their next one or the one after that. Not a long absence. Dwayne Dedman is supposed to get reevaluated this week, but we also had word that Clint Capella was spotted doing some on-court work, and they're hoping to have him back in the next four or so games, four or five games, maybe sooner. So things are about to get murky in Atlanta as well, and if you were already concerned with the Herder-Hunter-Reddish thing, if Capella and Dedman get healthy and everybody gets pushed down the ladder a little bit, that's only going to make life harder on these guys. It's hard to see players like Teague playing less off the bench. I mean, maybe Brandon Goodwin could play less, but although with this one in blowout territory, you probably saw extra bench minutes anyway. If this Atlanta team gets healthy, I, I kind of don't see how anyone besides Young, Collins, and Capella could truly sustain fantasy value. But again, we're at a part of the year right now where streaming is enormous. If you're in the playoffs, it doesn't really matter what the case is going to be in seven to nine days. You end up, you make a move between now and then. So what's happening right at this second? Right this second, Cam Reddish, Clint Capella, Dwayne Dedman are all out for Atlanta. And in general, when those guys are out, Trey Young, John Collins, Kevin Herter, and sometimes even DeAndre Hunter can muster fantasy value. Doesn't matter that it might not be the case in two weeks. Dallas lost in Chicago. That's a bad loss for the Mavericks. This is, by the way, with Luka healthy. Porzingis was sitting this game out on the back-to-back to rest his uh, injured, or his knee. It's not injured, really, but recovery, whatever you want to call it. Here's the thing, though. Mavs aren't falling out of the playoffs in the West. They have their eye on perhaps trying to get out of the bottom three in the West, but there's just nowhere you can go where you're going to get something good. Do they really think they can get to the four seed? That's asking a lot. They're three games back at the Rockets, but the Thunder and the Jazz are in between there. It's conceivable. They care more about what's going on once they hit the postseason as opposed to these individual games. Still, you can say all that stuff. They still thought they were going to win this ballgame. Going into Chicago with or without Kristaps Porzingis, you had Doncic healthy. No Seth Curry. He's been 
throwing fireballs lately, so that hurt them a little bit. When KP sits, Maxi Kleba is always a good decision. He double-doubled with a steal, three blocks, and three three-pointers, a fantastic fantasy game. Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to go big when Seth Curry is sitting. Dorian Finney-Smith had a pretty good shooting game, but no defensive stats. And just overall, you know, it's tough. To, you look at this game and you just have to think they didn't really defend. They didn't take the Bulls seriously. And it bit them. But it's not changing the way I react to this Dallas team. I like Kleba. He's solid enough, especially if you're hunting threes and blocks. It's an interesting combo to be able to get from one guy. Hardaway if you need points and threes. Dorian Finney-Smith if you need some rough-and-tumble stats on bad percentages. There's plenty of specialist types on this club, but the guys you start every night are Chris Dops and Luka. Seth Curry if you want threes and points on good percentages. That's one weird little feather in his cap. But that wasn't really the story of this game. The fact that they lost was not great, but it wasn't the story. The story is that Otto Porter made his return for the Chicago Bulls after missing three months of basketball. Four months of basketball, huh? Almost four. Played 17 and a half minutes on a 16-minute limit and had 18 points, a rebound, three assists, and a block. He looked like the old Otto Porter. I said on our premium show that I was picking him up everywhere because I honestly don't sit I don't mind sitting and waiting. And I think the reason that and he's probably owned in your fantasy leagues after putting up a a, a big performance here in just a couple of minutes, but the reason I think people are reticent is that we all have short-term memories. Guys, Otto Porter was number 40 last year. By averages. And he missed time. He always seems to miss time with injuries lately after a couple of strong years. Year before that? Year before that, he was number 20. Two years ago, Otto Porter was the number 20 ranked fantasy player. On 15 points, 6.5 boards, 2 assists, 2 threes, 1.5 steals, half a block, 50% from the field, 83 at the foul line, and only one turnover. He was the 9-category monster of the year. Drafted probably three rounds after that. He could, if he's actually healthy now, which I got to believe he is after missing four months, he's going to have plenty of rust. But we're talking about a guy that in, I don't know, one, two, three, four, maybe by his fifth game back, they play Cleveland on the 10th. You could be talking about a guy that's a top 60 fantasy guy, top 60, top 70. And then maybe by two or three games after that, could he be a top 50 asset? I guess so. And I'm surprised. I'm really, truly surprised. I'm not going to sit here and try to act like I thought he was coming back. I thought he was going to miss the entire season. And I figured if he came back, it was going to be this very slow slog back into relevance. But he came out guns blazing on uh, Monday night. Sorry, I almost said tonight. I know, you guys already know when I'm recording it, but there's an aura. We have to keep up the aura. He is... At some point, going to take the starting small forward job away from Shaq Harrison. Zach Levine will be back, and he'll take that starting shooting guard job back from Denzel Valentine. Larry Markinen will eventually be back and take the starting power forward job from Thaddeus Young. But there were shots to be had. He took 11 of them in 17 minutes. The fact that he was that aggressive was a really nice sign. And look, the Bulls won. He makes them a substantially better basketball team. He's a high-efficiency guy who can play defense. 
on a team that needs team players. Pick him up, see what happens. You can use him in head-to-head, even on the minutes limit. It's going to be a little bit ugly, but, boy, if you can clunk your way through kind of a quiet week, he could be a really good addition. Don't look now, but Miles Turner has actually been pretty good lately for Indiana. It's taken him the whole damn season to claw his way there, but he's been quite solid with 18 blocks over his last four ballgames, three double-doubles in that stretch. Such is the magic of being a guy who can block a crap ton of shots in a week and a half. You can move your season value around by a lot. He's back to number 60, guys, in 9-cat. After all the terrible stuff that's happened to his year, he's at the end of the fifth round right now. Yeah, he's a disappointment for those that took him in the 30s. But it's not the kind of disappointment that's going to ruin your fantasy team. All you may have expected out of him that you didn't get was a better field goal percent. That's it. That's now what we're kind of looking at is the difference between Miles Turner this year and the last couple. He's up and over two blocks again. Yeah, maybe you wanted two and a half, but 2.1, you take it. Not terrible. Still a lot of shots that he has rejected this year. And he's coming on. Good to see him coming on a little bit lately. Remember when I said I thought he was going to look a little bit better when this team got fully healthy? I know Oladipo sat this one out. There's just something about a familiarity. He seems like he's finally finding his role with this team. And Demonis Sabonis goes through these little mild slumps every once in a while that allows Miles to wake up. Uh, Oladipo sat this one out with knee soreness, which is um, disconcerting, to say the least. But I still think that this is a team that's trying to learn from their past mistakes, trying not to play guys through stuff. They want to make sure he's healthy in the playoffs. They feel like they do still have enough time with about six and a half, seven weeks in the season left to make sure he is clicking come playoff time. So sit him a game or two now if he's not 100%. That's going to mean Justin Holiday has a little bit of wiggle room here if you want to stream it, get some threes and steals out of it. But, I mean, really, it's a specialist. Sabonis, Warren, Brogdon, Turner, those are the guys you can safely start when Oladipo is sitting out. For San Antonio, we talked about how much I like Trey Lyles on yesterday's show, and he played 37 minutes. They have no choice but to play a ton of Trey Lyles. He had 20 points, six boards, a steal, two blocks, and four three-pointers. He's a terrific stream until LaMarcus Aldridge or Jakob Pertl comes back. As soon as either one of them plays, and it'll seemingly be Aldridge first, he'll fall off a cliff. Yahoo! He might still play a little bit, right? They might have to shuttle him up or down the roster a tiny bit. He'll still see a few minutes, but we've known enough about Trey Lyles to know he needs those 35 minutes to actually be fantasy relevant. He needs to play a lot to make the volume high enough to cover up for the fact that he's not a great rebounder, doesn't pass the ball. Usually the defensive stats are lower, but he had two blocks in this one. Points, threes out of your power forward or center? Sure, that's fine, but he's got to be out there a long time to get it. Spurs on the back-to-back. I'd be pretty surprised to see Aldridge play in this one since he sat out the first half of the back-to-back, but you never know. know, Maybe they just didn't want to play him in the back-to-back and figured we'll give him one more day. We shall see. I don't think he's playing, which means you can probably fire up Trey Lyles again. But maybe he surprises me. Probably not, but maybe.
We turn our attention to the eight-game Tuesday slate, which is there's just interesting stuff every night. And as I always do here, between the review and the preview, I want to remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by our buddies at mybookie.ag. I hope that when you tailed Ira and Josh on yesterday's Today in Sports Betting episode, you did it with mybookie.ag. I hope, you played, I hope you played the Knicks plus 10. I hope you took the Knicks Rockets over. I hope you took the Pacers to cover. I hope you took the Predator. I don't actually know. I don't even know if the Predators won. <laughs> I have no idea what happened in that hockey play. Uh, but there were a lot of winners. There were a lot of winners. You should do it at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code today, T-O-D-A-Y, and get a 50% deposit match on your initial deposit when you open up your account. Start building that bankroll with our buddies at mybookie.ag. San Antonio is at Charlotte. We talked about the back-to-back. I cannot stand the the uh, Hornets, but again, if you can find out what center they're actually going to start, that guy's probably worth using. I mean, you're really grasping at straws, and a lot of us, like myself, are in leagues where the moves you make are for the following day, so it kind of doesn't help to find out at you know, 35 minutes to tip which center is getting the DNP. Brooklyn is in Boston. I have nothing at all that I care about in this ballgame. Fantasy-wise, nothing. Kemba Walker's coming back. I guess that's a thing. But, you know, he'll be fine. He's on a minute's limit. He'll be less great than if he wasn't. That is your hot take of the day. Clippers-Thunder. That should be a fun ball game. Clippers are healthy. Thunder are mostly healthy. We think Gallo will play. I guess I don't know for sure, but... I feel pretty confident about it. I'm interested in Patrick Beverly. It seems like he's losing playing time to Reggie Jackson, and I don't know if that's a sustainable thing, if they're just trying to keep Beverly from playing so hard that he hurts himself, but he's testing my patience at the moment. Would love to see him wake up a little bit in this ballgame going against a nemesis like Chris Paul or former teammate like Shea Gilgis-Alexander. This would be one of those ones that could wake him up. I'd like to see that. Minnesota, New Orleans, uh, the Timberwolves, Nas Reed, James Johnson, Wancho Hernan Gomez, all those guys are fringy. Just would love to get some information on Cat. That's what we're all waiting on. Pelicans, have a pretty good idea what to expect with that ball club. Warriors, do we get Steph back? That'd be fun. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think when Steph comes back, that's when Draymond Green decides to play. I think he'll just play with Steph because it'll be fun for him again. Ooh, fun. I get Steph and Andrew Wiggins And then who the hell are these guys for the rest of my teammates? Draymond's been a huge pain in the ass to to have on a fantasy team this year. Just a colossal pain in the ass. Marquise Chris has continued to be very good. There doesn't seem to be anything that can knock him off his run. Denver, starters, that's pretty much who you can trust. Although, you know, as we've noted before, not much interest in Gary Harris. Toronto at Phoenix. Where is Freddie Van Vliet? What's the status on Serge Ibaka? Norman Powell looked great. OG Ananobi's been on a serious run. Where the hell is Marc Gasol? There's a lot of things swirling around this team, but as soon as you know who's active and who's not, you can make a pretty easy prediction on what guys to throw into your lineup. Right? Kyle Lowry, he's obviously in if he's playing. If Van Vliet is playing, he's in. If Powell's playing, he's in. If Serge is playing, he's in. 
The only guy that throughout the year has needed other dudes to be out of his way to succeed has been OG Ananobi. But he's been so hot that I think you probably have to just keep throwing him into your lineup too. He has 13 steals in the last two games. I mean, it, there's a shoe dropping here in the not-too-distant future, but when a guy's that hot, you just you don't, you don't fade it. You wait until you screw one up. You wait until you play him on a night he gets cold, and then you probably bench him. Phoenix needs to wake the hell up. They've had some ugly losses lately. We'll see if they can get things turned around here. Seems like Kelly Oubre was more a glue guy on that team than perhaps anyone realized. I mean, he was having a great season. But they've completely fallen apart since he's gone out. Let's see if they can pick up the pieces a tiny bit. Washington at Sacramento. Kings have been interesting because they're hoping to get Rashawn Holmes back in the next... Well, they're hoping to get him practicing this week, so maybe hoping to get him back next week at some point. Until then, Harry Giles feels like a center you could probably stream. Bielitsa still seems fine, although less spectacular and maybe running out of gas a tiny bit. They've been winning, and this is a very winnable game for the Kings. For the Wizards, I'm still waiting to see if Shabazz Napier can kind of put those things together. He's got a really clean run to fantasy value with this team, if he can pull it off. Philly completely decimated. They're in L.A. to take on the Lakers. We don't know if Anthony Davis is playing. He might sit this one out if he feels like the Lakers can beat the Sixers, the zombie Sixers, without him. I hope he plays. Fantasy-wise, you know, you're watching Shake Milton. You can stream JaVale McGee if you think AD's going to remain out. If you find out he's sitting, then you definitely throw him in there. That's about it. Big thank you to everybody that continues to rate and review the podcast. You are the coal that fuels this weird coal-powered engine. I don't know. I got no good metaphor. I uh, read all the new ones on yesterday's podcast. I just I want to continue to thank you guys for writing nice things about the show and dropping those five-star reviews. If you have an opportunity to do it today, please continue to do so. Oh, hey, there are a couple that floated in today. Thank you, guys. I will read yours tomorrow. I'll do it in the middle of the show tomorrow. I don't want to do it at the end. Nobody's listening right now anyway. Uh, two new Two new things that I can that I can read on tomorrow's show. Fun, fun, fun. Cheeto Weasley and Key Yon. You guys, thank you. And to everybody else that is still doing this, you guys are incredible, man. You guys are the best of the best of the best. Open up that podcast app on your de mobile device. Click on the search button. Type in Fantasy NBA Today. Choose the show title and scroll down, and that's where you can do the rating and reviewing. If you want to drop the five stars, I'll love you. If you want to write something, I will read it here on the show. You'll get your name read, and uh, you'll get your story read. Uh, and, and if there's something, you know, uh, on yesterday's show, I, the, the review actually launched me into a, like an eight-minute aside on how I handle drafting and, and playoff strategy. And so you never know what might come out of these little review segments. But again, big thank you. Uh, iTunes, obviously, is the place where, and the podcast app on, on Apple devices, that's where we really can do some damage. I love you guys. You're the best. I'm Dan Baspers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. We'll go ahead and keep this one on the shorter side. Tomorrow, Brandon back on the show. Wednesday is Brandon Day. We had someone on Twitter that thought Day was his last name. I'll clear it up. His last name is Marcus. The day itself is Brandon Day. And last week, or last weekend, I should say, was Brandon Marcus's bachelor party. So get ready for some of those stories on tomorrow's pod as well. 
Again, I'm at Dan Vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And if you, we've got a spot, we got an interesting spot open. Uh, we lost our host for our Pelicans show. So if you're a Pels fan out there and you want to pick up the pieces for our amazing Pelicans podcast that was uh, run by Nick and Michael for most of this season, we're looking for a replacement voice for the Pelicans pod. Hit me up, at Dan Vespers on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Could be you. It could be you. I hope you're a Pels fan. That team is so much fun. How would you not want to talk about them on a pod? Shout out once again to Corbin on our new NBA show. Go check that out. Again, that's called NBA Today. We'll be tweeting about that all day long. I am once again Dan Vespers. Enjoy your Tuesday, everybody. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.